0: Welcome to the show. Thanks very much for taking time out of your evening to join me.
1: Thank you, Adrian. Very great pleasure to be with you.
0: I appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, I'm not really sure what we need to talk about. It was your, your, uh, someone reached out to me for you. Um, I've had a look at your work and I'm I'm just amazed. You are so uh, well-rounded and in-depth in what you do. It's really impressive. And I've only really been looking at it for the last week or 10 days.
1: Well, oh, cool. Um, excellent. Uh, yeah, I've been at it for a while, trying to figure out what health is. you know the, When I was really ill, you know 35 years ago, I was in hospital and I couldn't walk or well, I was just you know dying basically, and the doctors gave up, and I figured out myself that I was low on magnesium and a few vitamins and minerals and stuff, and I completely reversed my arthritis and you know got out of hospital. If I'd listened to what the doctors were recommending, you know I would have been dead years ago. And, you know, I realized that doctors do four hours on average in the five years of medical training on health. And those four hours, they're not taught a lot of stuff that's right. You know, you, you know, they call it a health service, but this is false advertising. It's not a health service, as you know, it's a disease management service. It's got nothing to do with health. And the, the sad thing is people lose their health and they go and see a doctor. You know, it's like wanting to go down to the shops and buy some fish and asking for it in the bookshop. Bookshop doesn't know about fish, and the doctors don't know about health. You know.
0: Yeah, that's right. And in my experience, and it's been such a long time since I last saw a doctor; it's more than thirty years ago. With the greatest of respect to some of them, because I know many of them do mean well, they're not exactly the picture of health themselves.
1: I love the all those you've seen those pictures of the Belgium health minister and some of the health ministers that are so grossly obese, and you know. <laughs>
0: I, I was absolutely blown away when I saw that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Picture of health.
0: So, so what, yeah. what was your journey, Clive? How did it all start out for you?
1: Oh, um, well, I think there's in England, there's something like a statute of limitations. I could tell you how I really started. It was very best that I don't. Okay. But <laughs> I, I left school at 16, you know, I was very proud of my woodwork O level, you know, so I'm well qualified for whatever I need to do. <laughs> and, uh, So on my 16th birthday, I left school. And, uh, you know, as I think Mark Twain said, I didn't let my schooling get in the way of my education.
0: Good man.
1: And I sort of discovered this weird thing that, to some degree, if I really, really wanted to achieve something in my life or I wanted something to happen, that it happened. And it was more and more I realised that actually, you know, it does seem that, you know, who you are is what you eat, drink. Think and do. And we're clearly co creating this world, our existence. And I think so long as you keep cheerful with it, if if that's possible, and optimistic with it, and know what you want, have a clear vision of your dream. I mean, I I don't think the universe cares one way or the other whether your dream is a little one or a small one. And most people, I think, limit themselves because they don't think it's them. They don't think they're the important one who's got something to do or say or to help people i mean when people come to me with depression for instance i quite often i mean i, I suggest all sorts of things like vitamin d and magnesium and so on i often say well look you know why don't you uh just try helping somebody else because people who are depressed are usually totally wrapped up in their own misery and you yeah, often with good reason perhaps but the moment you try helping somebody else you feel better it's like going out in the sunshine you feel better there's some so obvious things I mean, how many people say oh you know i always get ill in winter." or I get depressed in winter, well, could it be my lack of sunshine? Could it be that 10 quid's worth of uh, vitamin D might have cheered them up a lot and stopped? You know, when I started taking vitamin D in winter, I started taking 50,000 international units every day in winter about 13 or 14 years ago. And up until then, I used to get cold, you know, two or three times a year. After that, just that one change, just vitamin D, got almost nothing, never had a cold
2: since.
0: Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting?
2: Well, you know,
1: I reckon that if the, you know, the British health industry gave free vitamin D out, which would cost them almost nothing, they could probably cut the hospital beds by, about 70%? I mean, the research seems to indicate that the people who've got the right levels of vitamin D have something like 70% less cancer. If that were a drug, they'd be making trillions, wouldn't they?
0: That's right, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I would, someone said to me that the... The last time I was particularly sick was actually the last time I saw a doctor, which was 30 years ago. Well, you know, doctors can kill you. (laughs) I've seen that happen a lot. I really have. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah.
1: But if I just make plain to anybody listening that I'm not giving medical advice, I'm uh, relating research that I've discovered as a researcher, you might say. and Luckily, I've had some practical hands-on experience of, you are seeing clients over many years. Mm-hmm. But the best thing I've done in a way for my own benefit is I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of health experts and doctors. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, some of my YouTube videos are still there. <laughs> That's uh, impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, I got a strike this morning again, just after my last ones got uh, hit. And they went back to a video I put out a year ago showing the government's own figures, proving that there, there was no pandemic by April. You know, but of course, they don't like that. They just, they must have changed their algorithm because, you know, that was a year ago and they just knocked it off this morning.
0: Yeah, when I got my second strike um, seven months ago, I went in and I culled 160 videos because I figured that would probably take the rest of the channel with it. So we're still here, thankfully. Yeah.
1: Well, excellent. I've, I've copied all my stuff onto Rumble and Odyssey and yeah. bitshoot well, the bitch you has been censoring me, they put messages up saying uh, uh, this content is illegal
2: in
0: your country. Yes. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah, I, I suspect eventually the, the the Internet's not going to be that much use for finding stuff, even with the old platforms and everything.
1: Well, who knows? Who knows? I mean, how many people know about Eric Clapton losing the use of his, of his hands?
0: I didn't realise he'd had that. I'd heard he'd spoken out, but I didn't see the interview.
1: Right, so it's um, it's Oracle Films, and you can find it. His interview, maybe about three weeks ago or something, hmm. on anywhere but YouTube. And basically, it's titled something like "I wish I hadn't taken the second jab." So he he got um, paralysed in his hands and feet.
0: Is he now, still paralysed? Do we know?
1: No, he's recovered. Uh, it took, took about three weeks, I think. Anyway, the point is that. If the world was normal and yeah. not censored and controlled, yeah. it would be front page news all over the world. Eric Clapton loses the use of his hands. Yes. But nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody knows. Yeah. And it's outrageous. So how many Eric Clapton's is it going to take until maybe the news slips out? Is it just their friends and neighbours getting ill that's going to do it? I mean, what, what is it? Because, I mean, yeah, the virus is a non-entity, in my opinion, relatively to, to any other flu year. Um, more people uh, died for about 1990 to 2000 per 100,000 of the population. And, you know, apparently we had a pandemic all through the 90s, but nobody noticed.
0: (laughs) So they kept (laughs) quiet about
1: that one. um, But there is lots of good news. I mean, I personally do my utmost to stay relentlessly optimistic and not let anybody or anything upset my nice day. Obviously, that can be very difficult when you just lost your job or you know, lost your money or something, which is where you're starving to death, as large proportions of the world are. Yeah, but we could talk about positive stuff if you like.
0: I, I would really like to do that. I'm not really a big fan of staying focused on the things you don't want, lest they happen to become real, as you and I know they will. So, a lot of my content recently has been much more positive try this, do this. Here's a person here that's figured out what to do for themselves. They're just like you and I, really, to to give people hope and focus. And I think that's much more important. Otherwise, when you focus on all the other junk, you're actually fueling the engine, and we don't want to be doing that.
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, an awareness of danger, but yeah. spending more than 1% or 2% of your time investigating it yes. is probably going to be be negative. So uh, the most exciting thing that I've come across very recently, mm-hmm. has been an extract of sugarcane. Okay. Now, I find it ironic because, I mean, clearly sugar is one of the things that's really damaging people's health. Yes, yes. ironically, there's a, a fraction of sugarcane which, um, well, it's just been patented. Mm-hmm. Now, you can't patent sugar. You mm-hmm. can't patent sugarcane. You can't patent anything natural except if the following conditions are met, that... Let's say I showed you the patent application. Uh there was let's say I showed you the patent application without telling you the claims. Mm-hmm. Just look to the and there's no way anybody logically, reasonably could guess the claims. In other words, you read what this how they made this sugar sort of molecule thing, and there's no way anybody in the world could ever have guessed the results. So the patent has been granted on a natural product, three patents, in fact. And it was, this patent was granted faster than any of Tesla's patents, granted faster than Edison's patents. And the third patent, uh, I believe, was the fastest granted since 1791. Okay. Now you can imagine that if a patent is so simple,
3: mm-hmm.
1: if you like, that, um, and that the results were totally unexpected, that, uh, it could go through quite quickly. Mm-hmm. I and mean, actually, I've been reading the patent part of the afternoon. It's, horrendously long but nevertheless um this is extraordinary so what does the patent what what are some of the patent claims uh well uh, i'll just get my notes and I, i'll tell you but while i'm looking for them they include prostate cancer uh, uh basal carcinomas mrsa uh, what else well while i find it let me tell you a bit more about it so basically you've what the material is, it's called metasoma, M-E-T-A-S-O-M-E-R, metasoma. Hmm. And it's an extract of polycosinol. Now, loads of people are familiar with polycosinol because many of the people in the anti-aging sort of realm have been using it for decades. Okay. And you've sort of seen it in as much as you, know, you see any leaf, and generally the water, when it rains, just runs off it because there's a waxy surface. Hmm. And that is, in that waxy service, is contained polycosanol. And it's in wheat and sugarcane and rice and apples and peanuts and seeds and loads of foods, right? Mm. Pretty, pretty much all of them. It's not in meat products, but it's in, it's in the vegetable realm. And um, so it comes as a spray. And you just spray a few sprays in your mouth. It can come as a gel or, or a cream. They're both edible as anything you put on your skin. Of course, should be edible because so it's going right into the bloodstream. And the, the studies that have been going on have been on diabetes. And I'm very interested because I'm type 1 diabetic. When I got damaged with antibiotics mm. 35 years ago, that, that left me type 1 di- diabetic. And I asked the uh, inventor, you know, what chances are there? And he showed me a study. Where they've taken much younger diabetics than me, who haven't been diabetic for 35 years, and reversed it. Now, nobody's reversed type 1 really before, not, uh, mm. not, not as a common thing. So, what seems to be happening is that the material is putting, putting the body to homeostasis. It is correcting DNA damage. Mm. This is what, this is what appears to be happening. And, um, uh, studies i've got a list of studies in front of me for the journal of stem cell research journal of immunological techniques for infectious diseases dermatology and uh, in some one second i'll just find the patent and, and be able to uh tell you but um basically the first patent covered things like psoriasis dermatitis of various types eczema um neurodermatitis, lichen planus. Um, I'm just picking out ones that people might know. angiodemas, um, lupus, MRSA. I mentioned basal cell carcinoma, mm. kidney disease, uh, hematological disease. Um, it raises something called TNF-alpha, or sorry, reduces TNF-alpha and people with Parkinson's. They've got a problem with too much TNSL. TNF Alpha, um, and uh, this, it, it's extraordinary that it can do this. It's not horrendously expensive or anything, something like £50 pounds for a month's supply. Well,
0: it's normalising so many things, then.
1: It's ludicrous. I, I've barely scratched the surface of actually what it will do. You know, hmm. it, it's super extraordinary, and um, I, if people are getting a bit excited at this point, the first thing you need to tell them it's sold out. <laughs> no surprise <laughs> yeah, there's a waiting list of a couple of months but luckily there is no shortage of sugarcane no shortage and uh, there's so many interesting things I could tell you about it because the, you know in Japan um, there are some very very uh, long lived people and the mm-hmm. long lived people happen to be in the area where they grow lots of sugarcane and rice and um, uh, it you know, maybe it's something to do with, with the polycosanols that, that that are in there. Um, so it's been around for about 10 years and studies have been done. Maybe 100,000 people around the world have taken it uh, for the trials, uh, for the studies rather. And um, it pretty, pretty much seems to do everything. Um, let me just uh, uh, tell you... Um, Okay, one of the things it does is it seems to allow the body to recycle vitamin C, which has not been done before, as far as I know. It appears to yeah. be allowing the body to make vitamin C. Really? Which, yeah, supposedly that's next to be impossible. But yeah. um, it is possible because I know people have gone raw carnivore for periods of time where there is isn't no vitamin C supposedly in that, but they've had still good vitamin C levels. The first thing the inventor noticed was that he lost his beer belly. That's good. Well, you know, a lot of people have put on weight over this last year or so. Uh, oh, yeah. Funnily
0: enough, I lost weight.
1: Oh, <laughs> ah, well, I suppose anxiety perhaps in some people's stress will have different effects. Some people eat and some people it puts them off eating.
0: Yeah, but, with me it was different. I decided to tidy everything up even further and relax more into it. So it was a natural thing.
1: Oh, well, very good. Very good. So. Um, one of the things it does, it appears, is that sometimes, particularly with people being eating badly or in certain cases, the the, or, the body's organs, the liver or whatever, pancreas, can get covered in a lipid layer, in like a fat layer, a bit like a mucousy mm. sort of layer. And this product seems to dissolve that, make, allowing the organs to work better. Um, mm. Certainly has a great effect on insulin resistance, it seems. Balances cholesterol, reduces triglycerides, which is, you know, obviously a heart, uh, signpost for for heart problems. What else can I tell you uh, about it? Clearly, yeah, if you can change your diet, you know, stop having your body as an amusement park and more as a temple, it's going to (laughs) work, you know, a lot better. One of the interesting things is that, um, uh, yeah, we, we all, I think, have heard about res- resveratrol from things like uh, the grape skins, you know, being used to extract the resveratrol. Turns out, it would appear that actually it wasn't the resveratrol that was that was the functional agent. It was the polycosinol that was the functional agent. All, all this time, people have been looking in the wrong place.
3: We'll be back after a quick break.
0: Interesting. So the sugarcane, I presume, and the rice you said have got the very higher the highest concentrations of it compared to other things, I guess?
1: Um, I think that's probably the case, but of course they're very common, very inexpensive, and uh you know easy to obtain and so on. So it also seems to have an effect on vitamin D production. Now, you you might remember GC Math, uh, which was made famous until they killed everybody around it and look, throw them all threw them all in jail. Which was a macrophage activating factor. What GCMath did was to make vitamin D receptors work properly, and this is this is what this does without being bannable. Thing they they just can't hide this one. Uh, mm. How it's made is in the patent, and you know people might want to get in touch with the uh, the, uh, the inventor and. Uh, you know, all sorts of people could be making it. And if that were the case, it really couldn't be stopped. But right now it's being made in Switzerland, which, which I think, you know, if I wanted a product made, I might consider Switzerland to be a reasonably sensible choice, you know. Mm-hmm. And the reason they chose Switzerland was for the quality of the melted snow water. Um, you know, high altitude water, particularly if it's glacial melt water, has all sorts of hugely beneficial effects. And this product is ninety nine point zero zero four water.
0: Okay, so it's a lot of information in there then as well.
1: Well, uh, yes, interesting point. Of course, yes. So um, you yeah, know, you can look at. Actually, there is a food that's got very high in it, which is honey. And of course, honey is the only food known never to never to go off.
0: Hmm. Well, that McDonald's, but that's not food.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. It's food line.
0: <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it's an imposter
1: yeah so um I've only started taking it fairly recently, and I was hoping to notice some huge difference I mean people some people report their blood pressure normalizes in a day you yeah, know that kind of thing uh, the last couple of so for about the first week I couldn't detect anything and then uh the last couple of days i've woken up differently i've woken up earlier than normal, which is fine, and just felt don't know brighter, jollier, so I don't know whether it's I don't, at the moment it's too soon for me to say that's just the psychological effect of it. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I've got to do it for longer to, to get to get to the bottom of it. But uh, my favourite supplement by far, the one that really was most responsible for getting me out of hospital, was magnesium, because yeah. magnesium dissolves calcium, and my arthritis. I couldn't even get dressed anymore. It was so bad. The calcifications, I you know, looked very ugly with the calcifications oh. on the joints. It all dissolved. Magnesium dissolves calcium. So whether you've got calcified arteries or whatever, calcified pineal gland, whatever it is, yep. magnesium is the answer. So how many people currently are low on magnesium? Well, I I'm going to
0: hazard the guess and say 90%, maybe more.
1: I'd say maybe more. No. Maybe more because uh, stress... You know, our our mechanism to deal with stress is to burn up our magnesium levels. And it uh, it
0: was the biggest change for me in health. It's because so many things were going on. And when I backtracked everything, everything pointed to that. And that one change modified everything.
1: Oh, well, very good. It did for me. And uh, the thing is that people hearing this, they might run out to that um, firm Duction somebody uh, mm-hmm. Dutch and Barnet I think it might be you know the high street place mm-hmm. and uh, when they buy the, the the main ones on the shelf it's not expensive it says magnesium in big letters you can bet you can bet that it's going to be magnesium oxide which is the least bioavailable the least useful that mm-hmm. you could possibly use so I've, people say oh i tried magnesium didn't work and I say well what type did you try and how many and they often say two you know or one a day two a day I tried or it pushed the vote out and took four, right? Now, four probably might be enough that that would reach the RDA. You know, people say, well, look, I was taking 400 milligrams and they look at the label, it says 400 milligrams. But when they look a little bit further down, it says essential magnesium. You know, how much is real? You, know, you know, let's say it's magnesium chloride, for instance. How much is the chloride and how much is the magnesium? What percentage of what? So I recommend. If I think somebody's low on magnesium, which is almost everybody, that they take 12 a day, Mm
3: -hmm. not
1: two, not four, not one, 12. Mm -hmm. And I've had people who've gone from not being able to sleep for years, sleeping through the night, people suicidally depressed, no longer suicidal, in 24, 48 hours. I've Mm -hmm. had people with heart arrhythmia, uh, it stops in five minutes. I interviewed, Mm -hmm. I got interviewed by Crow, I don't know whether you know Crow, Crow777. and uh, he repeats it every time on the show that he had a trigger finger, was scheduled to have an operation, and during the interview, I told him to take some magnesium and vitamin C. It straightened during the interview.
0: That was you. I heard that interview. I didn't realise that was you. Right.
1: Um, so the power of magnesium. But you know, whoever suggests twelve, you know, they're probably worried, worried they're going to get sued or yeah, you know, something's going to go wrong. Hmm. But. Um, i just put a lot of time into studying magnesium and worked out. And with the other ones as well, the dose, um, vitamin C. Do you know, it was over 30 years ago now, was the first time I ever witnessed somebody cure their own cancer. Now, just what I've said is illegal. I spell cure with a K and cancer with a K, right, just for legal reasons. So just just so everybody knows. And uh, anyway... He rang, this guy, over 30 years ago, I knew him, he rang up Linus Pauling, found him in the um, in the phone book, and he was famous at that point. know, uh, was on like, Time magazine, you know, Linus Pauling claims that vitamin C will cure the common cold, and Linus Pauling said, well, take 35 grams of vitamin C a day. Now, doctors are taught that one gram is the most anybody can tolerate, you know, you pee it out, <laughs> expensive urine, they call it, but of course, that's wrong, so... He took 35 grams of vitamin C in divided small divided doses every day, and he'd been given 12 weeks to live. Um, when he did die, it wasn't from cancer, and that was 20 years later. Right? <laughs> yeah. Who'd have that said, know, eh? <laughs> Yeah. So you know, for, I, I realised from my own experience and that in particular that the dosage that most people were recommended on the label yeah. was just plain wrong.
0: It's way too small. That way they can show it doesn't work.
1: Exactly. And, of course, the RDA, you know, the recommended daily allowance or you know, whatever initials they give it these days, um, that's the amount to stop you dying. It's, you know, yeah. okay, well, maybe you won't get scurvy. But I mean, I get people ringing me up. They've got shingles, herpes. That's a vitamin C deficiency, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen people who their, sh- their shingles, 48 hours, gone. Once they've done, you know, I recommend more than just vitamin C. but I've got about ten products on my side, basically maybe twelve or something, that are what I think are the crucial things. I mean, yeah, you know, I meet homeopaths, I meet herbalists, I meet acupuncturists, and fantastic, yeah, you know, wonderful, wonderful work. Mm. But almost all of those guys miss the basic building blocks of what makes us yeah. work, and yeah. if you haven't got enough magnesium. Yeah, you might get muscle cramps, twitches around the eyes, constipation, you might get anxiety, panic attacks, headaches, migraines, spasms, menstrual cramps, you might get all sorts of heart issues, um, and you might be really unhappy. Right? And that's just scratching the surface, you might get hiccups. It just goes on and on.
0: That that was for me it was the hiccups for hours on end. Oh. Uh, and and the heart thing, the arrhythmia, the twitches, the spasms, the, the whole—I had the whole gamut of things.
1: Oh, well done! You had the full set. Very, very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So, I would suggest that when you discovered magnesium, you probably put an extra ten years on your life.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it's—I I use a magnesium oil, and I use a lot of it, and I have done every day since then, and everything changed very, very quickly. And I actually have to look at the list of things now because I don't remember half of them.
1: Well, you know, the the oil is one way to do it, and it can be super effective. I think it's just a bit sticky, and I, I I sell the oil on my website because there are real uses for the oil. But I prefer taking the capsules; it's just easier. Yeah, yeah. And people have got different tolerance levels. You know, some people can take two, some people take four. I can take six or eight, but some people take two and they're in the bathroom with diarrhoea. So. With, right. with both vitamin C and magnesium, obviously people have got to start really slowly and just build up and see what their tolerance level is. I recommend to my clients watching the film, four-minute video, reverse pneumonia in three hours. Have you seen that one? No. I so say what, yeah, people go into hospital 12 weeks with pneumonia and die from sepsis or something? Turns out, well, this is Dr. Andrew Saul. He, he's got a website called doctoryourself.com. And a great book, fantastic book called Doctor Yourself. Anyway, so he gets pneumonia, and he takes two grams of vitamin C every six minutes. Wow! Every six minutes, bam, bam. And so, so what? You know, you look at a bacteria, for, for instance. We all know that bacteria reproduces really, really fast. And mm-hmm. so what if you have bacterial pneumonia, for instance, and the bacteria is capable of replicating every hour or every two hours or something? But if you hit yeah. it every six minutes, you're going to Finish. outpace it.
0: Yeah, that's right. Simple logic.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So people need to know this. I mean, my dad, who's now 95, a few years ago, he kept getting going to hospital uh, with pneumonia and sepsis. And hmm. he won't believe anything I say. So I started interviewing medical doctors because he trusts medical doctors. And so I interviewed loads of them about sepsis. You know what's the cure for sepsis? IV vitamin C or massive continual or oral ones? And uh, finally, he asked me for some vitamin C, but it took years. You know,
2: um, and he hasn't been
1: in hospital since. He's doing great at, at ninety-five. You know, no mental decline or anything. Pretty much,
0: he should. People, and this this is one of the traps, I think, Clive. That that's wonderful to hear that so so many people. Their expectation is by the time you get into your 70s, you're decrepit, things are going, your faculty's going, and that simply doesn't have to be the case.
1: Well, essentially you say that. I interviewed one of my favourite medical doctors, Dr. Jennifer Daniels, who told me that um, when she was remodelling her house, aged like 40 or something, she had a stair lift put in because she knew she'd need it later. (laughs) That's the doctor for you. And then... uh, what happened was that um, she got put on the no-fly list and the terrorist watch list. She was working yes. in New York, you probably know the story, mm. and had to flee to Panama uh, yeah. because she was curing people without drugs. And yeah. when the pharmaceutical industry found out, you know, she was a very naughty girl. And yeah. then uh, I've done okay. loads of interviews with her because she's so good. And mm. she told me how she'd gone vegan for I think a couple of decades or something. Until one morning she couldn't get out of bed, and her intuition said calves' liver, and she got somebody to bring her calves' liver. And by the end of the afternoon, she's out of bed and feeling much better, and decided not to be a vegan. Yeah.
0: Uh, it's it's the, the whole subject is fascinating. If people will get in touch with their intuition; they'll learn so much about themselves.
1: Well, you know, we—you look at any animal if they're ill, then they know which. Herbs, grasses, or whatever to chew. And I yeah. I reckon that we haven't lost that intuition. So let's say I gave somebody who didn't have a lot of money all the money they need, and I took them to the best food store in the world. I and mean, it's not, not, there's not a lot of organic there, but Harrod's food hall used to have the fresh mountain strawberries flown in from Switzerland that morning, you know, for 150 pounds, a little punnet or whatever it was. Let's say money was no object. I reckon that our intuition would kick in in as much as let's say we were in the forest in the old days hunting gathering we suddenly found the wild strawberries growing or the wild raspberries i think we'd stuff our faces until we were full couldn't have any more and i think if you every day could go into the most beautiful vegetable you know meat fish fruit store that you'd know if money was no object you have anything you'd like i reckon your intuition would kick back in because how it works, I think, you know that if you're low on a mineral, let's say you're low on zinc or copper or any of them, pretty much, if you it, you can make a very diluted drink with a tiny bit of copper sulphate, for instance, and you get the dose right. If you if the dose is right, and people manufacture this, you'd spy it off the shelf. So you taste a bit of it, and if it tastes sweet, you need it. If it tastes disgusting, you've got too much. If it tastes of water, you still need it. But it explains cravings, because we like sweet stuff, certainly at a subconscious level. So you eat your food for a while, let's say you're low on zinc, so you decide, Do you know, I really feel like oysters, or I really feel like pumpkin seeds, or some zinc-rich food, liver, eggs, whatever. And you might want to eat nothing but that for a few meals, and then you just can't stand it anymore, because suddenly the taste has changed to you subconsciously. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we're so capable of self-balancing, and I think We know what to do at at some level.
0: That's a really interesting point you make because it makes me think of two things. Number one is that people are very wrapped up in, I have to do this, I have to follow this regime, this diet. I was talking to someone about it earlier on. I said, you really don't. You need to find your own way with all of this. You don't want to listen to what's right for anyone. You'll find your way. It's all right to get pointers and ideas and guidelines if you really don't know. And I think the, the other thing is that people are so busy that they haven't got time to get in touch with those because they're, they're fleeting kind of glimpses of information. That's what I find in my life that they pop in and they go. It's like the caress of the wind. If you're busy, you don't notice it, but those are the things to pay attention to because that's where the information that's important to you is. And it, in, in my experience, if you ignore that kind of message, it's going to get louder and louder until one day it walks up and hits you around the side of the head, like a tube before to get your attention because now you're sick.
2: Well, quite so, quite so.
1: I mean, there are just a few basic rules, really. We are what we eat. So mm-hmm. everybody listening to this needs to decide once and for all not to poison themselves and the family. You know, It's got yeah. ingredients. You, do, you don't know what they mean. Sounds like chemicals. If it's got flour improver in the bed, bread, it's got yeast extract, which could be perfect, but now they disguise MSG as vegetable extract and vegetable protein. Yeah. 130 words for monosodium glutamate. We've got to stop poisoning the babies and the children and granny and ourselves yes. and, mom and, and just make that decision because we've got to stop supporting the big corporations which are raping planet.
0: Well, you're absolutely right, and that's the thing. We're the ones bringing it to ourselves by consuming the things that they're selling. If we simply stopped, they wouldn't be able to sell them anymore. They'd soon stop. So we're, we're, we've got a very big hand in this problem.
1: And it's breaking our addiction, you know. What's yes. more, what's more addi- addictive, heroin or wheat? Well,
0: wheat.
1: I, I, well, p- quite possibly. You know, you tell a heroin addict that there's no heroin this morning. Well, they'll cope for a bit. You tell a wheat addict there's there's no wheat for breakfast. What do you mean? You, you got no bread. You got no pasta, pizza, pies, pastries. You know, nothing made of wheat. You know. Yeah. And right. uh, you know, when I was young, I didn't know anybody who had a problem with wheat. Never met anybody who had a problem with wheat or gluten. Then they hybridized yeah. the stuff, made the dwarf wheat, started spraying. You know, herbicides and fungicides and insecticides and larvicides and everything else, and then now half the population can't handle it anymore. But of course, you can break the habit. You know, I, I, I like bread. I try not to eat too much of it because I put on weight if I binge on mm-hmm. bread. But I'm lucky. I can get organic or biodynamic ancient grains. You know, I mm-hmm. don't have to risk the the hybridised nasty weed. And yes. so I'm I'm a, you know, a little bit. On it with, with eating naturally, and you know, I'll never use a shampoo or something that is not, if you don't eat it, don't put it on your body, that type of approach. And luckily, mm-hmm. I've been pretty well. You know, mm-hmm. I see everybody dropping like flies around, but, um, you know, mm-hmm. if you put some decent food in and you take care to think well, you know, a lot of people spend their lives beating themselves up for the past or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Being let go of. That and control your mind enough to realize which state am I in? Am I in the state of fear or in the state of love? Because you're either in one or the other. And right. they should teach this at school, but they don't. I mean, people, a lot of people still haven't grasped that there are two of them. There's the version of them when they're in the love state, everything's okay, they're in the now, you know, everything's great, feel happy. Then they're the ones that have slipped into the fear state and haven't noticed. Suddenly they're yes. worrying about the past, you know, worrying about the future worrying about tomorrow, and they're so caught up in the fear they can't think straight. At the moment, you're back in the love state, well, why on earth was I depressed, you know? Yeah. I realised this big time years ago. 25 years ago, I was deeply depressed. I don't remember what about. You know, it's just existential, you know, what am I going to do with my life stuff? And uh, I'd been miserable for days, probably, really miserable. I'm sitting on the floor feeling miserable and not doing anything, can't be bothered, you know, and the phone rings. And I was like, yeah, and it's this incredibly sexy girl. And in, in a microsecond, I've switched from mega depression to ecstasy, right? And it's a <laughs> phone call. It's not like anything was going to happen. I thought, Christ, you know, if a phone call can snap me out of depression, surely I must be in more control of myself. You know, imagine somebody, you're depressed, and somebody says, here's a million quid you know oh i don't really know thanks you know you're going to be quite pleased most people would be anyway you know yeah
0: yeah it's it's a very interesting thing just stepping back to the food thing because someone said to me no i can't afford to eat organic i I don't think because i we we everything organic we grow what we can there's a local garden that i'm a member of that we get food from as well And what, in my experience, has been because you can eat substantially less of high quality nutrition, you actually end up spending probably about the same and maybe even a bit less. It's a really interesting thing. You just got to get used to having less, but you don't need as much because it's got so much more nutritional density to it.
1: Well, I completely agree. And, um, you know, wild forage food, if you're lucky enough to have any wild land, you know, even better. I try to forage all I can. It's free for a start. Uh, You know, the wild garlic season has just finished and that was great. You know, yeah, I make raw garlic pesto, and it's fantastic. You know, now if I wanted to do a, a, a bitter herb pesto, I just pick the top leaves of the nest, stinging nettles. Yes, and you know, put some garlic in there and spice it up a bit, and it's
0: fantastic. Yes. Well, the stinging nettles are an interesting thing, aren't they? They've got more. Is it five or six times more vitamin C per weight than an orange?
1: Well, that that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, you know, yeah. red peppers have more than an orange, I think. Yeah, true. Uh, but um, um, yeah, but freshness is everything. You know, minerals, as you know, you could set fire to the orange, and all the minerals would still be there in the ash. But the vitamins yeah. go from the, the moment you've picked it; yeah. it's dying basically. So yeah. by the time somebody's got an orange in their fruit bowl, how much vitamin C is left? Well, That's possibly good. not very much at all. And so I I would contend that almost everybody, you're probably not, well, you're probably one of the exceptions that's not. But most people, I think, not only are they low on magnesium, they're low on vitamin C. And if you're low on vitamin C, then skin problems are up. Yes.
0: And and teeth problems. I had a a friend of mine, uh, her teeth were very, very loose. And the dentist's solution was to take, they wanted to take her teeth out and give her dentures. And I looked at her and I I was talking about a diet. and I went, I think you've got scurvy. Yep. I do not. And I said, I think you do. Get some of this, have this, and have this much for at least a month and then see how it settles down. And within two weeks, the teeth are all tight and ahead again.
1: Well, very good. I mean, you know, vitamin C. I mean, uh, Thomas, Dr. Thomas Levy's got that great book, Curing the Incurable. Hmm. And because they've been using vitamin C to reverse polio, you know, how many people were walking around with leg irons because they got polio as a child, they could reverse that. You know, some people who, but uh, well, measles, smallpox, any what we call infectious virus type things, and most, most yeah. bacterial infections, vitamin C in high doses will overcome them. I mean, it's just outrageous. Yeah. Clearly, doctors are deliberately taught that no more than one gram works because, like vitamin D, like magnesium, vitamin C would be one of the ultimate threats, as would yeah. iodine. I mean, iodine is massive.
0: Yeah, that's why my arms are stained yellow from earlier on because I put some on every morning when I go out. People look like I've got bruises and stuff. But no, it's just iodine.
1: So um, these days, I take maybe 10 drops of 12% Lugol's iodine mm. maybe once every 10 days or something. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, but the can I run through a few of the iodine symptoms?
0: Please, yeah.
1: Audience? So if you're deficient in iodine, you might have dry skin. Um, you might have brain fog; you just can't think clearly like you used to. You might walk in a room and forget why you walked in entirely. But you can get that back in weeks if if that's where you are. You know, hot flushes, uh, menopausal symptoms. Ninety percent of those are probably an iodine deficiency. Why do people have thyroid problems? Iodine deficiency in women. The most iodine, like in men, is in the thyroid. But in women, the second most iodine concentration in the body is in the breasts. Could iodine be the answer for breast issues? Well, it's the answer for cysts and fibroids. Uh, you know, Anybody who's had a cyst or a fibroid, uh, chances are that was an iodine deficiency. Hmm. And then it goes on and on. And how many people are low on iodine? Unless you're living by the sea, because it comes from the seaweed in, in the sea and the air... Chances are you're probably low on iodine. If you're eating bread, which has flour improver in it, which is bromine-based, you'll be low on iodine. If you're swimming in a swimming pool with chlorine, you'll be low on iodine. If you're bathing in chlorinated water, drinking in it, cooking in it, you'll be low on iodine. If you're using fluoride toothpaste or in a fluoridated water area, you'll be low on iodine. And the tests that I've done, I've tested thousands of people's mineral levels In my experience, it's at least ninety-five percent of people are Mm -hmm. low on it in in the UK, and maybe slightly higher. So it is so massively important. It's anti-cancer. It's you know what. Mm -hmm. Say there are about a dozen, in my opinion, real keys to health. You know, herbs might be fantastic, but they're secondary to is your body self-repairing. Your body isn't low on a herb. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do have cannabis receptors, but not necessarily that we're low on it, but we are low on minerals, vitamins, essential fats, and amino acids.
0: They all work together as well. If you're missing uh, one, other things don't work.
1: Exactly. Exactly so. So, you, know, you asked about diet earlier. I mean, you know, if I had somebody who had been eating really badly for ages, so they're clearly loaded with toxic chemicals and heavy metals or whatever, I'd be very tempted if they'd agree to it to put them on a raw vegan diet. If they were, Yep. big and strong and could handle it, you know, a couple of months as a raw vegan and you're going to clean yourself out. I've seen, you know, there are reports of people who have had macular degeneration, you know, they're going blind two months on like celery juice and sensibly chosen juices, not ones with too many oxalates in, Um mm-hmm. but suddenly their macular degeneration has reversed, you know? Yeah. But if somebody was very weak, you know, they're, 80, and I, well, I just don't feel, haven't got the appetite to eat. I'd probably put them on a protein-rich diet or supplement. I mean, people who just need to put on muscle, that's what they're just fading away. I'll put them on high doses of amino acids.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I've got a blend on my website, which is you know, almost all the amino acid blends out there are made for bodybuilders, because bodybuilders know that they don't need to eat 10 steaks of breakfast anymore. They can just have, have a lot of amino acids but they're built for bodybuilders, for people who are athletes. So I've got a version that's made for couch potatoes. You could also be an athlete and like it. But, you know, uh, the thing is that I can tell people, look, take this, take that, take this, take that. But if it doesn't taste nice or, you know, if it's not easy, they may not do it. So it's trying to find ways where people will actually want to do it. So... The amino acids taste disgusting. Well, they don't really, they're not that bad, but some people don't like the taste. So we've been, we've made a mix of one with chocolate to try and disguise the taste and thought, well, while we're putting that in, we might as well shove in some medicinal mushrooms and a bundle of other yep. stuff. And yeah, you know, I, yeah, you know, one day I woke up, I don't know, six or seven years ago and I realized I'd taken 28 tablets that day uh, or more. I think I can't remember. And I wasn't taking such big doses then. This is ridiculous. I do not need 28 different things every day. I just don't. I've got to simplify it right down. So so now, because I sort of worked out what my body likes and doesn't like, I tried raw vegan, can't do it. I get flatulence and, you know, I'm an embarrassment to be with if I'm on raw vegan. It may be doing me lots of good. I feel quite, quite good on it. But, um... You know, it's it's clearly not the diet for everybody and not, not the diet long-term for a lot of people. I tell you a great story, which is so surprising. I, I got a friend who had IBS so bad that they couldn't go out of the house more than an hour because they, they had to be near a toilet at all times. They tried everything. They tried every diet you could conceive of, and then they made two changes in their life. You know, 15 years of this. Uh, the first change was they had an intravenous drip, just one, The glutathione right Right. totally changed his life then he went raw carnivore Mm. right he went raw carnivore for a couple of months and within one meal he didn't have the ibs right wow bam it's not not raw carnivore anymore You, you can't keep that up for long but like some people do well on raw vegan quite a few people over the last few years have come out of the closet and said you know me and the wife, we've both gone raw carnivore and look how healthy we are. Mm-hmm. It's um, everybody's different. And there's a time in life where we need one thing, maybe another time we need something else.
0: Well, that ties back to what we were talking about before about being attentive to that and paying attention to what you need and then modifying it accordingly.
1: Well, well, absolutely. So um, I could talk about a million different supplements. I could talk about. Frequency devices, which is something that I'm...
2: That would be really interesting, yeah. Very interesting, yeah.
1: Well, about 20 years ago, I was introduced to this genius medical doctor. In fact, I'd Mm. never met a genius before. Maybe Mm. one. The first first person I met, I thought, this guy's intelligence is just... I'd never seen it before, such brightness. Anyway, Mm. he was very keen on Tef- on Tesla, so he explained to me that Tesla had invented three healing devices, the only inventions that he hadn't patented and uh, so I got quite interested in this, and uh, he persuaded me to buy one and you know how coincidence is within a three day period, two people had told me to buy one of these devices that I never <laughs> previously knew existed. so I bought one I tracked one down, quite quite old and um it came without an instruction, but we only had one knob, you know, up more. And so the doctor told me how to use it and what to do and stuff. So I had a next-door neighbour who hadn't been able to drive for three months because of his neck. And so he was the first person I used it on. I used it for about 15 minutes, and his neck freed up. He was able to drive. Wow. Bloody hell. Anyway, yeah. um, and then I was going up to London on Saturday night for a party. And this guy is brought to me, and he can he's in agony, you can tell. And he said, look, can, can I help? And I had the machine in the back of the car. It was quite big and heavy, you know, barely lift it. Yeah. And uh, so I get the machine, treat him this time for 45 minutes. And he explains to me that 20 years ago, he'd been a DJ at the Roundhouse in London. Must have been okay. about 30 years ago now. Yeah. And uh, he'd seen a speaker column vibrating so much, he realised it was going to collapse. And there were girls, young girls underneath. It was going to kill them. So he rushes and holds up the speaker cabinet. And in doing that until people helped him, he crushed three vertebrae. And he said the only reason he came to the party he didn't normally go out much because of the pain. He'd taken a truckload of morphine and loads of painkillers and that was keeping him going. So 45 minutes later, he stands up and says it's gone. So what do you mean? 20 years of pain it's gone. Oh, wow. Bloody hell. And I said, look, I don't know what, you know, it's only the second time I've used the machine. Just don't overdo it, you know, just yeah. take it really easy. Anyway, yeah. it's late, I get home, and I get this phone call, 8 o'clock in the morning on the dot. And you know when the phone rings 8 o'clock, it might be something up, right? And he says, hi yeah. I had the best night ever. He said, I danced all night till 4 in the morning. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. He said, I'm in more pain now than I've ever been ever. Come round <laughs> immediately and bring that machine So go around, treat him for another 15 minutes, and then he was out of pain for two years. I had to go back a couple of times. Um, So it doesn't work like that every time, Mm -hmm. but um, it can. But, I mean, the problem with that machine was it was really big. I had to get a little suitcase on wheels to be able to cart it around. Mm. And Mm. um, then I realised that what I really wanted was a much bigger one, which was really difficult to carry around. And uh, so I started looking for something smaller. So I found the Pain Genie. You know the Russian scanner. No, really with not that. that? It's a no. small little device developed in the 80s, and it was developed for the Russian military. So money was no object. You can put it in your pocket, and I used to use that as my primary frequency device. I'd mm-hmm. use the big device if there was somebody with a real problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first time I used it with the doctor. Um was for somebody who'd been sent home to die, three days left okay. to live, um glioblastoma, which is you know one of those brain cancers which you're not supposed to recover from. Yeah, you know, the doctors don't yeah. allow you to recover from that one. This guy did. Three days left to live, they thought, could have been a few more days, who knows? And uh he had people to help him, he was very, very lucky, and he was already being looked after by people and was being fed organic or biodynamic food in the form of juices, because that was all he could handle. He, he couldn't really speak. He couldn't really move around. he had been sent home to die, right? So we taught the cleaner how to use the machine. We shaved the guy's head, and the cleaner used it uh, one hour a day on his head. A few months later, a clean bill of health.
2: Right? Gone. Very interesting. Uh, but
1: it had a sad end to the tale. I... Um, he was like my star case, right? So I was doing about a month after he'd he'd got the clean bill of health, I was doing a talk up in London. So I said, Would you mind coming on as like a guest speaker? And at this point, he's got his voice back maybe 80%. So he's not, mm-hmm. maybe 90%. So still a little bit hard to understand, but you could understand him. And he had the audience in fits la- laughing. And he used to be uh, one of the biggest uh, drug dealers for a very rich family and it was the rich family uh, who were supporting his recovery anyway um his brother who i've known for i first met 50 years ago when i was really young um his brother told me after he died which was sometime later what had happened he said that on the day he and his brother got the all clear from the hospital they went out and bought two grams of crack and got smashed And what happened was that um, this guy, who was the life and soul of the party, he could take bundles of drugs and stay up for five days without sleep and make everybody laugh. Because he'd had so much chemotherapy prior to meeting me, so much radiation, no, he'd had uh, 10% of his brain cut out, right? He was not the same person. And he got more and more depressed because his friends didn't want to see him anymore basically, because he wasn't the man he was. He wasn't doing the business he was as well, so he'd lose a lot of friends if he stopped doing that business. And eventually, the cancer came back, and instead, at this I spoke to him at this point, and said, you know, what the fuck are you doing know, He said, uh, there were a whole, whole host of reasons, but basically he didn't want to live anymore. And uh, he, the cancer came back. This time, he didn't go the natural route, even though he knew it worked. He went to the doctors, got chemotherapy, and his brother said it was the most horrendous suffering he'd ever seen in his life.
0: It would be, yeah.
1: So um, frequency devices. I've just put three videos actually up on YouTube, hoping they won't get taken down, about a prostate cancer frequency device, which has been trialled in China with success. So it's working on light therapy. Then a bioresonance device, that is a bit like the Healy, for instance, wear it around your neck. Unlike the product I just mentioned, where it's very expensive, this one comes with all the frequency sets you need, and it costs, I don't know, less than four hundred quid. Uh, super sophisticated uh, micro generator. And then I've been trying for the last few weeks, so I haven't got it here. I've given it to somebody. This like large watch thing that fits on the inside of your wrist with lasers and LEDs and you're on the basis as, you know, know, the blood's flowing through your whole body every minute or so, if you've got a blood-borne parasite, malaria would be an example of a blood-borne parasite or a bacterial infection, blood-borne infection, then this would help wipe it out. So, um, uh, you know, you you may know that I've got a club called secrethealthclub.com. And on secret...
0: And I found out about that, actually, just before you contacted me by a friend of mine who's in that club. You recommended it.
1: Oh, cool. So um, the information I don't generally talk about is there behind the secrecy wall of being a club. Yeah. You know, you, you can have another member, you can another level of it by um, having a society within the club. And the <laughs> club's only got one rule. And that rule is, to paraphrase, um, you have to agree uh, that you agree with the idea of total health freedom. Now, so if the big farmer or the government were to look on my website, that would be illegal. They'd be breaking the club rule because they're not in favor of total health freedom. Yeah. So it's only got one rule. And then I've got another club uh, for people using uh, Tesla machines and other frequency devices. Mm-hmm. So um, if somebody you – know, it costs money to join the club. But I have to do it. Uh staff helping me. Um, if they really want to know about what I'm talking about here, because I don't want to go too much more into the 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 machine sure. I'm primarily using now, but the information is there on the Secret Health Club for people who are really keen. And I basically I, I find machines in the 20s and 30s primarily. Mm-hmm. And over the years I've found that very few people in the world who know how to restore them. And uh you know, the problem isn't finding the machines. The problem is finding people who know how they're meant to work. And uh, Imagine. But uh, uh, I've got a video on the Secret Health Club where I treat 34 people in a row and they all come out of pain. Some of them not yeah. completely, but some have been in pain for 10, 20 years. Right? Wow. And, uh, you know, with, with the, the pain genie that I was using, the scanner, I reckoned I could usually get seven or eight. Out of ten, out of pain in less than ten minutes. With the mm. machine I'm using now, which is much older, I reckon I can get nine out of ten people out, out yeah. of pain, something like that. I mean, it's
0: uh, the, the old technology is very interesting. There was so much more going on that we've been dumbed down with, and it's been hidden away. And I'm very keen on looking more at that because I think it's very interesting what was going on back then.
1: Well, you know, the thing is that you know people go up to grandad's attic after he's died and there's this old piece of kit that looks really dangerous and all the wiring is crumbling to pieces and they don't know what it is. So they throw it on the skip. Uh, You know, because obviously, look, this was made in 1920, say. Obviously, what we have now is much better. Obviously. But no, it's not. It's not. (laughs) You know, I mean, the... Uh, The machines that I use, use Tesla coils and uh, glass under vacuum with noble gases in, like argon and stuff like that. And, um, you know, the next step, I mean, I I use a device called diathermy. And diathermy used to be in every hospital in the world, right? It was standard. Diathermy is still in hospitals now for surgery because if you – if you cut with a scalpel, you can bleed. So doing eye surgery, you know, bleeding in the eye, well, you're going to be blind probably. So, uh, but if you use cautery, you know, electricity to cut with, it cauterizes the wound. There's no bleeding. So ophthalmologists still use this technology, totally unaware that before the Second World War, the machines didn't just cut, but they healed, and uh, so.
2: Um, So, yeah, so what happened
1: was the original Tesla coils began to be replaced with valves, you know, like they had in hi-fis. Just like hi-fis, then they went to transistors, then they went to solid state, and everybody assumed it was better, but a lot of hi-fi buffs would say, well, the valve era was way better than the transistor era and the solid state. Now, whether that's right or not, I don't know, but each time they changed the technology there were drastic changes to the effects. I mean, the the machine I used is long-wave and very, very high frequency, very, very high voltage, but very low amperage. So it's sort of harmless, but, boy, has it got power, you know. Uh, Enough that in the Second World War, they took them all out of service because um, you could turn them into radio transmitters, and they they were worried that they could... German spies could transmit from America to Germany, using these machines, messed about with a bit. So they switched to shortwave, and it took a while before they realised that the patients that were recovering were now dying because the shortwave didn't work the same as the long wave. And uh, it's not to say that modern diathermy doesn't work, but you've really got to know what you're doing with the frequencies. And um, uh, so in America, they not only shut down... Most of the people using the technologies like this that they didn't like, uh, but they threw them in jail. You know, all, all the manufacturers got shut down after the Second World War, and in America they tried to totally bury and forget the technology. But back in, say, 1915, dentists were using this technology.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It was the famous cocaine electrode for you had about six minutes in which you could turn off pain and tooth, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, hairdressers were using them small versions you can find a hairdresser who's like 80 and ask them when you went to hairdressing school do you remember this technology and they'll remember Mm. you know but then it just got wiped out of history and then after rockefeller medicine happened they just stopped teaching it you know you know guys hospital started their electrotherapy department in 1843 right yeah you know, electrotherapy is a big thing- you, you know John Wesley who the Wesleyan chapels you see them all all over the place yes John Wesley was using electricity to heal in seventeen something using batteries you know the mm-hmm. the Egyptians there are hieroglyphs showing uh people with their bar with their feet in bars of water with electric torpedo fish, you yeah that have been reported cases as you probably know of people being struck by lightning over the centuries and it either fried them to a frazzle or it cured any ailment they had
0: yeah. well we are primarily electrical beings aren't
1: we well quite so quite so so before before i got interested in well, about the same time i got interested in uh what what was powering our body because when i started getting into the test of stuff it's obvious that our bodies run on electric so whether you're walking barefoot doing exercise, taking vitamin C, using a frequency device. We're charging ourselves up with electrons and you know, photons as well, depending on the device. Yeah. And so I started looking. Well, I interviewed um, Dr. Jerry Tennant. Do you know Jerry mm-hmm. Tennant? Yeah. So it's I first came across him about 30 years ago because I was in ophthalmology at one point. And uh, you know, he taught me you know healing as voltage and the relationship yeah. between the pH of the body and body voltage. And I started looking at materials, you know, that w- that would affect that. And one of my favourites was fulvic and humic minerals. Mm. I'd have first product I ever put in a bottle to supply to people was fulvic minerals, because I'm usually unaffected by any of this stuff. I don't often notice. But with this, the next morning I woke, I woke up, I felt different. And it's so ridiculously cheap, you know, thirty-five quid, four months' supply so it's not going to break the bank. It's totally natural from the soil, yeah. um, extracted with water. And the uh, first person I gave it to was a friend of mine who was three months pregnant. She rings me yeah. up three days later and said, you know the terrible morning sickness I had? it stopped. Right? Amazing. Her, you know, women are not meant to get morning sickness. And it turned out, in her case anyway, I'm not going to say it's going to work for everybody, she must have been low in the trace minerals that were in fulvic Somehow our body could cope with the baby rather than having difficulty with it. So now,
0: um, that's very interesting.
1: Well, you know, our bodies are self-repairing and are designed to work 100%. Yeah. probably
0: should have told my mother about that instead of her taking thalidomide while she was pregnant with me. Oh,
1: bloody hell. Bloody hell. How well did you come off after that?
0: Um, she only took it two or three times, but there were some developmental issues, particularly to do with dyslexia and some other things, which I've worked my way through. Okay. But yeah, because when I was having some treatment for that, the guy said, Go at this particular time here, ask your mom what was going on. And she told me I've tried that drug, but it didn't suit me very well. Well, well lucky. So oh, what was it called, Mom? And she told me and I'm like that, whoa, really?
1: <laughs>
0: and they're doing it all again, aren't
1: they? Yeah. They're doing it all again, giving pregnant women a totally untested, untried genetic modification. RNA disturbing, yeah, whatever, yeah, uh you know. But what what are we looking at? We're looking at brainwashing. We're looking at mind control. i mean how good have they got at mind control? Ninety five percent of the population hypnotized beyond much help. Really?
0: Yeah. I had a uh, I did an interview recently with a guy who's a uh, he was a, a stage hypnotist, and he was pointing out in there all of the methods that the government were using. That were being used on ours just like he used to use on his state shows, everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you're right, it, it is, it is a, it's it's absolutely phenomenal. And thankfully, not everyone can be hypnotized.
2: Well, yes, uh, but
1: uh one way or another, most people can be hypnotized. I mean, one of my favorite stories is um mm. you probably heard about the man, uh he's he's walking down the street, and this incredibly beautiful girl walking in the other direction, and she hasn't noticed him, but he is hypnotised by her so much that he walks into a lamppost because he's hypnotised yeah. by the girl. You know, yeah. There's a great story, by the way, it was on TV years ago, about this guy whose guide dog takes him the wrong side of a lamppost, and he hits his head and gets his sight back at the scene, uh, and he, there he is on TV saying, "Yeah, I lost my sight when I was six or something and from an accident, and suddenly now being able to see again, you, uh, he said, I'd forgotten, I only thought there was one colour of green. He said, now I see the hundreds of
0: colours of green. This guy was in ecstasy just seeing green. But what I was saying about hypnosis, by the way, the, I think that the caveat needs to be put there as well, that I think Brian was saying that 95% of the time we're in some kind of trance.
1: 100% of the time. But
0: We're, yeah, we're, yeah, we're doing it to ourselves, yeah. I I presume you have to drop into your conscious mind at some point, maybe.
1: Well, you know, clearly, what is hypnosis? Well, hypnosis is like meditation. You're focusing on one thing to the exclusion of almost everything else. Yes. I mean, you know, I studied for a long time to become a hypnotist. And the most shocking thing I ever saw, ever saw, was uh, being taught by Richard Bandler, who I spent a lot of time learning from, Mm -hmm we're doing, um, there must be 60 of us in a room and we've got two people working on one person. And uh, at one point he he said something like, you know, just be careful when you're working on people uh, because it's so noisy in here. You want to say to the person under hypnosis, well, you know, just ignore uh, all the sounds in the room except my voice. And he said, what you don't want to say is ignore all the sounds in the room and not mention... Except my voice, otherwise they won't hear anything. You have to hit them oh, yeah. to get back again. Anyway, that yeah. wasn't the shocking thing. The shocking thing was he said, right, get three chairs. And said, who wants to volunteer for an experiment? And this really quite frail lady puts her hand up. And so he says, right, lie down on these three chairs, right, under, under the head, under under the ankles, and under the bum. And then he gets the students to persuade this woman that she is an iron bar that cannot be bent. They took away the middle chair. Right? They sat on her, and at this point, I could couldn't look. It was just, just wasn't right. Mm-hmm. But there it was. She'd become an iron bar, mm-hmm. and uh,
3: super shocking. Yeah, yeah. But no, yeah, it it really
2: is.
0: But that, we're witnessing that right here, and right now, with everybody.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. It's um. It's incredible. You can snap people out of hypnosis, maybe. Pretty bloody mm-hmm. difficult. Yeah. Uh, still, you know, is there anything really wrong? Maybe not. Maybe, maybe they, everything's fine. It's just this had to happen. And um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm just determined yeah. to remain optimistic.
0: Well, I'd, I'd, I'd agree. I'd, I think it's going to be probably, in the end, for many people, the greatest gift that's ever happened to them because it's going to have taken them away from a path where they were headed. Um, and and, and I think it's extraordinary. I I feel very peaceful about the whole thing as much as I do get upset from time to time about certain aspects of it. But I do think it is a gift, and it's necessary because otherwise I don't even want to think about where we were going. Yeah.
1: I mean, the good news is that all the problems in the world have been thought through and solved decades ago, really. I
3: mean,
1: every problem you can think of... uh, The answers are there. People have been working on it for decades. Yeah, Uh,
2: definitely. So there's only one problem in the world, isn't there? Just one problem in the world psychopaths running it.
0: Well, absolutely. Yeah, the idiots running the asylum. Yeah.
1: Well, more than idiots.
0: Uh, Oh, yeah, you're right. They're very dangerous people.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, two things rise to the top. You know, cream rises to the top, and scum rises to the top. The cream should be running the country, but unfortunately it's the scum.
0: Nicely put, nicely put. Um, If I've got all the links and everything for your website and your, um, your club, which I'll put in the description of the video and the podcast. Is there anything else that you'd like to finish with recommend people do?
2: Oh, well, how many hours have you got? Um,
1: well, I mean, look, you know, there are a load of people saying, well, if you want to protect yourself against the disease that cannot be named, uh, you should take ivermectin and you should take hydrochloroquine and zinc. So I thought, well, let's have a look at hydrochloroquine. I I don't think a drug is the answer to anything really. Uh, so it's hydrochloroquine sulfate. Yeah. They always say these things, you must take zinc with it. So. The sulfate bit of hydrochloroquine, are we sure it's not the sulfur in the sulfate part that's doing the job? Are we not sure it's the zinc that you meant to take with it that's doing the job? And, I mean, there's so many things that are natural equivalents to those drugs. You know, uh, CD, chlorine dioxide, BNC. You know, load, loads of things will do the job naturally. Uh, but, of course, it doesn't suit the powers that be to, for people to know about that. But right now, I would stock up with supplies of the things that you might need. The, the you know, I, I import stuff from China. I've just imported a encapsulation machine, which arrived like five months late because of shipping problems. It used to cost whatever twelve hundred quid to get a shipping container. It's now upwards if you can get one from seven thousand to twenty thousand. There are people who are desperate for supplies you know, like the computer manufacturers because they can't, well, the car manufacturers can't get the chips for their cars. And it's it's not getting better. I'd love to say it's getting better, but it's not. And the chances of supply shortages, which people are already seeing some empty shelves, but what's coming. So I would advise everybody for the good of their health to stock up with just basics, you know, iodine, vitamin C, vitamin D, just some basics. I mean, If you cut yourself, you need iodine just to what they use in surgery, you know, and I think people need to go back 200 years to when everybody had their own medicine chest, you know. Even pirates wouldn't go out sailing unless they had the medicine chest, you know. It's more important than anything. And we need to go back to self-reliance. This is why I quite like frequency devices because you can do, you can have it at home, treat everybody, and you've, without drugs or even supplements, you can get a lot of people better really fast. So um, self-reliance, you know, self-education, because what I'm talking about, how to use vitamin C, how to use magnesium, they should be teaching this to 16-year-olds before they leave school or something like that. It's not complex medicine, five years to have a license to give poisons. I mean, that's why they get a doctor's license, because they're giving poisons, you know.
0: The other thing is they practice medicine because they don't actually know what they're doing, do they?
1: Well, exactly. I mean, uh, do you know the definition of diagnosis? A diagnosis, no. right? Gnosis from the Greek is to know. Mm-hmm. Agnosis is not to know. So diagnosis is neither you nor the doctor knowing. It's two people not knowing diagnosis.
0: Okay. One could argue
1: that, sense. my definition, but...
0: Yeah. I heard as well the, the old name for the hospitals was pandemoniums. Ah, which was like, okay, that makes some sense as well. Yeah.
1: Well, you, you look up the definitions of most of the words, you know, pharmacopoeia and um,
2: trying to think of the main main one. Well, I can't think of it. But uh,
3: most, well,
2: I don't know, everything we've been told
1: is wrong, you know. Yes. Doctors yep. lower blood pressure because yes. blood pressure is high. They don't, no, don't ask why is it high, you know, what's yeah. the, Why would the intelligent body turn up the blood pressure? There's got to be a reason. Dehydration might be a really good one, you know. Mm -hmm. So what they do is they turn the blood pressure down, reducing the white blood cells, the red blood cells, the amount of healing materials and nutrition to the brain. You you turn everything down, nothing's gonna quite work the way it did. And they think this is a good thing,
2: insanity.
0: Well, yeah, it, I think it is a form of insanity. It's fascinating, and they defend it very hard too, which is also really interesting.
1: Well, exactly. Well, they've got a livelihood, you know. Um, occasionally, I give, um, I put on course weekend courses, and you know, fairly often there are a couple of doctors come, and I had the last one I had came to one of my courses was totally in tears, and said, "I can't go on." But the wife likes the quarter of a million pound salary. Mm. And he he was distraught. I said, I said to the guy, look, you can make more money surely by going as a natural health professional while also saying I used to be a doctor, because people do have this yeah. amazing respect for doctors. And I've got respect for emergency room doctors, the intelligent ones. I mean, incredible. Their job is to save your life. Uh, The other people's job is not to save your life. It's to sell you drugs, literally.
0: Uh, I said to uh, my partner, she said, what what do we do if you ever end up in hospital because of some severe accident? I said, as soon as I'm conscious, get me out.
1: Well, yeah, maybe. Um, It it depends. I mean, I've seen... uh, I I used used to work in the sort of ophthalmology. I also did some time in sort of the neurosurgery area. And I used to watch my friend, a neurosurgeon, do brain operations. And mm-hmm. he could go through three layers of surgery stuff. He could work 24 hours uh, without sleep. And he was the most dedicated person I've ever seen. I had mm-hmm. immense amount, uh, admiration. You know, he'd say, well, there's only a small chance we can save his life, but I'm not going to rest until till I've done it. You know. Fair so point. there are some heroes out there, thankfully.
0: There are. There are. And, and, you know, I've got a lot of respect and time for people in that industry, but so many of them are incorrectly educated and they're not troubling themselves to work out. actually, why am I not seeing results here? What's really going on?
1: Quite. Well, they're more brainwashed than the rest. I mean, they don't like taking you into medical school uh, if you've had a year off from school. They want to take you straight from school so you don't really understand real life.
2: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: That's a good point. That has been absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much again. I really enjoyed that. And I do hope that we can have another chat again sometime soon, mate.
1: Yeah, really happy to, Adrian. You have so much to talk about. And, uh, Always. Now more will know people could do with knowing.
0: Yes, they could. You take great care of yourself.
1: Likewise, Adrian. All the best.
0: Thanks, buddy. Cheers, mate. Take care. Bye-bye.